be getting to look a lot like wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Third Love and Quip. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who has been both naughty and nice this year, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, it's the Spicer Peppermint Man, baby. <laughs> oh, no. You have been naughty. <laughs> You've been very naughty. On your freaking shelf, dog. No, no, no. No, we went we got through it. We we made it through October. No. Peppermint droppings around no. your house at night oh. when your kids are sleeping. Oh no, it's the peppermint spice man. <laughs> oh, I had no idea that he existed. <laughs> and make everything festive. Add white chocolate, which is neither that white nor any type of chocolate. And peppermint <laughs> to your drinks. Oh man, I don't, I don't want any of this. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna introduce the guests and save us all. Uh, we got a, we got a huge show. We got announcements uh, like crazy. It's the Game Awards week. We also had a state of play. There's so much to talk about. I don't even know how we're gonna cram it all in. Plus, at the end of the show, Christian and I, hopefully, uh, have having uh, murdered the. Peppermint Spice Man by that point. Uh, Christian and I will be left to uh, talk a little spoilers about Jedi The Fallen Order because uh, I finished that game finally. And so we can actually talk a little spoilery talk. We'll put it at the end of the show in case you don't want to get spoiled. Uh, but that should be fun too. But man, the best news for you, ladies and gentlemen, dear listeners, is that we have an awesome guest to do this all with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, once again... DLC stands for Die, Live, Continue, because we have, once again, the captain of the Spawn on Me Empire, our friend, Mr. Khalif Adams. Hey, Khalif! What is the deal? Thank you so much for having me. I did not know that we had an empire, nor did I know that Peppermint Spice Man sounded like my old landlord, which was great to know <laughs> and great to remember uh, all the memories. My understanding is a peppermint spice man has uh, has a side gig. It's a side hustle in uh, in landlording. He uh, he manages several apartment buildings. You never, you know. man, that's exactly what it would sound like as soon as your deposit didn't go through. You were you were going to get your security deposit back. You were like, "Hello, like, oh, no. what is going on?" It's but I'm really good. happy to rock with y'all. It was it was so dope to see you. A couple almost less than seventy two hours ago. Yes, uh, so we'll talk about that stuff. I'm sure later on in the show. Yeah, yeah, we both were were there in person at the Game Awards, and uh, it was fun hanging out with you after. And uh, so I thought, you know, perfect person to bring on the show and talk about your experiences live. Christian, of course, watched the show uh, as I, I mean, not to spoil our discussion of, of it, but as it as seems it to be intended. To be seen. Yes, yeah. it seems to be intended <laughs> to be seen as a streaming show. We'll get to all that. Uh, there's so much to talk about. So let's 
let's just jump right in and waste no more time and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by heading over to our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com where cool folks hang out, talk about the show, talk about video games, talk about whatever. It's a great community. I encourage you to give it a shot. Khalif, you are our guest. A lot to choose from this week. There are mm-hmm. announcements galore, award ceremonies. Oh, my. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I mean, the biggest story of not only the Game Awards, but I would say of pretty much the whole month was xbox dropping not only the name of the new console but showing the console off during the game awards did not see that coming at all there was a hush and then roar in the crowd of of the microsoft theater when all that information dropped but it was uh something that was amazing to kind of see unfold uh especially as a big surprise uh during the show yeah um yeah I, i know that that was something that you know, most people, when they talked about what they hoped would happen at the Game Awards, they did the not. New the new Batman game. That's yeah, all I mean, people wanted. That was all the people wanted. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> it was a rock steady come through, and they were like, Peppermint Spice Man just rolled through and was like, <laughs> Well, you know, there's never been a big hardware announcement at the Game Awards. Of course, uh, Keeley's five-year-old uh game awards now is is famous for having lots of world exclusives and and the like but those are usually game announcements dlc announcements stuff like that uh, i don't Show know of any announcements, big other, yeah. yeah i don't know of any any uh, any other time when there was a a hardware announcement like this of course you you point out very smartly khalif that we were sitting in microsoft's building so mm-hmm. clearly there was some uh collaboration happening there between the companies and of course you know, Keeley is is talking to all the folks and trying to score the the biggest news he can get out of the show. And kudos to him. I mean, this is a coup. This is a a, a major piece of news dropping. This is something Microsoft could easily have done in their own stream of some kind on their own turf. You know, I guess we were on their turf, but in the on their own, uh, you know, perfectly controlled environment that that you know Major Nelson is ho- hosting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or they could have waited for another large gaming convention uh, in the new year. But no, we had it here at the end of 2019. We find out it is going to be called the Xbox Series X. And it looks like a big uh, monolith, some sort of, it looks like a PC. It's a, it's the Xbox Steam Box, I guess. Kind of, sort of. yeah. yeah. Kind of, sort of. I mean, it's one of those things that, well, before we even jump into that really quick, I have to say, this is one of the biggest flexes for for Jeff Keeley in all of the attempts that he's kind of made so far to make his show the big show of the year. Yeah. And I can't front. I'm usually just like, hey, I appreciate the 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 uh reveals and I appreciate all that stuff. This him getting this exclusive and him putting his Captain Morgan leg up on the side <laughs> of the Xbox doing his thing like gave me a newfound level of respect for what he's trying to do with the game awards and for the fact that he was able to pull this off. Like this to me was even bigger than the big three walking out on stage last year. Mm, Yeah. Because this was one of those things that one, again, no one saw coming Two, he had a lot of Xbox brass in the room and they were all 
poker face down. I saw Aaron Greenberg right before uh, everything kind of uh, kicked off and Phil Spencer in the room. And you and, and honestly, like, I know that they're professionals. I know they've been doing this for a long time. I had no clue that this was going to be a thing that they showed because just the look on their faces didn't have this extra level of excitement yeah. or like, you know, all the things when you've kind of seen them at an E3 presser, like there's this level of uh, anxiety or attention that kind of goes along with those things. And they were just calm and chill cucumbers everywhere and just hanging and, yeah, and- just like doing their thing. And I was like, what, how are you not this hyped after you know this is going to drop? And another another part of the flex, I think, is the fact that they found it valuable enough to use his show, this Game mm-hmm. Awards, as the place, as the platform to have this reveal. So clearly, from Microsoft's point of view, this was a smart decision. They're not doing anybody any favors, right? They're right. they're going to try to maximize the reach of their announcement, the impact of their announcement, and so. Uh, you know, kudos to Jeff for, for building something. He built this himself. Friend of the show, Jeff Keeley. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been on, you know, a couple times. So I, I give him, as you do, I give him uh, big props and, and um, congratulations for pulling this off. It is a big deal. And so let's, let's turn now to the actual reveal itself, which is the name mostly and a look at the box. We don't know a you know a a solid release date we don't know a price point we don't really even know exactly all of the things this thing is going to be able to do although in follow-up interviews that night there were some new tidbits revealed like for example the fact that there will be multiple games that you can put into a suspended state as the xbox one does now you can you play a game and then turn the xbox off and when you turn it back on, it doesn't have to reload the game and make you go through menus. You can just pick up right from where you were. It was suspended that whole time in a in a rest mode. Uh, evidently, we'll be able to do that with several different games now. So you can pop back and forth between games. And honestly, as somebody who is finds myself discouraged from starting a new game because, you know, I'm like, oh, I'll play a little of that. Well, I don't want to mess up my cool suspended mode. I honestly have thought that many times. So this is, a, I think that's a welcome Edition, but really, other than that, we didn't get much in, as as far as capabilities or specs. What we got was look and branding. And I'm curious, Khalif, what's your response to the look and branding? I mean the 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 branding name, you know, the way that they've named this new console. I, I mean, you know, we had a couple of days prior to that, Phil Spencer kind of going into the press and saying the name of this ex, the, the name of this new box will definitely give you an idea of what we're kind of going for towards the game or how we're trying to embrace that that audience again super really- weird thing to say mere days before the name comes out doesn't that super yeah. doesn't that strike you as very odd uh, well, especially after hearing what the name was called yes. <laughs> it's a super weird thing to say to then completely baffle people you know the name is going to be very clear it'll be very it'll be, explain our strategy and then the game it's like series x What's your strategy then? Exactly. That your box is going to be made to play anime? I guess that's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, right. Because that, that wasn't the thing that when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a Final Fantasy box. That's the way that you name this thing. Right, yeah. And the design of it looks really, really slick. I'm I'm excited to see, you know, because I've already seen the conversations around, do you want to put it horizontally or vertically? I've seen some folks be already up in arms about the fact that they don't think it's going to fit into their uh, media centers already. Uh, in in a reasonable way. The thing that I actually came away with um, that I thought about instantly was 
it's going to be really cool to see how they tackle special editions of the console. Mm, yeah. Because of the way it's built. Um, yeah. It doesn't look like, you know, the usual console form factor that we've kind of known and love is, is, is a kind of large, wide, horizontal uh, piece of tech. So it's going to be cool to see how they, um, you know, deal Skin with. It. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to try to figure out new ways because the interesting thing about the 360 was the 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 artistic side of that console was a removable faceplate, and right. those were terrible. And yeah. this is going to be one molded piece of plastic from what it looks like. And, you know, are they going to start doing some some like interesting etching on some of the new uh, boxes or will there be some parts of it that you can swap in and out? There's a lot of stuff to kind of see. But the thing that I also really found interesting was the change to the controller, which added a share button to it. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was really slick and smart because that's always been one of the not great parts of the Xbox e- ecosystem currently. And the OS has been you have a lot of button pushes to get to some of the things that you want. And one of the things you really want to do is share your content across now what will be xCloud and, of course, uh, your dashboard and everything else. Um, I just want I just don't want that bad boy to go to OneDrive. Like, don't bid that be the thing that you Ooh, do. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, share all this to this weird folder in the cloud that no one touches. Yeah. Uh, but I'm happy with it. I'm excited with excited for it. I know that, you know, multiple colors will probably be a, a thing in the future. But, yeah, I'm really happy with it. It looks dope. Christian, we have said many, many times over the years uh, that the code names of new consoles are often way cooler than the actual console name itself. I feel like Xbox Scarlet and Xbox Lockhart uh, were both really cool. And if they had stuck with those, I think it would have been kind of neat. But we get Xbox Series X. We've already had Xbox S and Xbox One and Xbox One X. And now we have Xbox Series X. It, It seems potentially confusing to the consumer, especially if you're talking about the consumer being grandma or mom and dad i don't know what do you think about this yeah i i wonder if we've been spoiled by naming conventions of video game consoles over the years because i think if you look at other things um to the general audience out there some people probably know this but what's the difference between the bmw 3 series and the bmw 4 series they both come in four door variants now. They used to that used to be a differentiator. One was a coupe, one was a. I just a don't sedan. think. I think the difference What's, is that I don't think BMW is saying uh, upgrade your three series to a four series. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's just because you don't know which one the better one is. To car people, they're definitely distinguishing among their car models based on the name brand. Like TVs, yeah, you not, want to buy the best TV. What TV is that? But which not, Samsung but the TV is, is their best one? No, I hear you, and I think you're making a strong point. I think the difference here is that. They want you to upgrade. I mean, I think more the more applicable uh, comparison is is the Apple iPhone, which is similarly crazy pants. But <laughs> it, it, what they're you know BMW and the televisions, they're not asking you to upgrade and stay within their product line. They're not saying, hey, you know, after five years of of doing this, here's the next one that replaces the one you have. I don't think it doesn't feel like the same kind of messaging. I mean, I think maybe because they haven't done that. I do think that if you have a Samsung TV, they'd like you to buy another Samsung for 4K oh, sure. HDR or whatever. And all that naming, like which one is the best one? Which one is the one to bid? How do you cross shop? So I think naming conventions in general are difficult. What I think, and maybe what they were hinting to before the naming thing came out, is I'm hopeful, and I agree that this is very confusing coming after the Xbox One X, but I'm hopeful that this is going to right the ship for them. And now what they'll have is like something like a pro 
the way the iPhone or Apple does. And like, that's their X, you know, series. And then that leaves them other series that they can spend time now defining what these mean because it it needs definition because no one would assume like, and this is the series Z and that's the series K which one's better, you know, like (laughs) is later in the alphabet more powerful. So they need to define all these things, but if they're able to, and they're able to stick with it, then I think they've landed on a nice naming convention that doesn't necessarily need much more, especially for where I think they're going as a air quote console provider, where I think they're moving more and more and more toward Xbox as a service. So you have the new Series X, you know, or whatever it is, but it's going to take work. But I do think that in general, a lot of things are named are named poorly, right? I think the, doesn't the make exceptions it right. doesn't make it no, good. No, correct. But I think the, the 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 good names are the exception to the rule. And maybe we're all just lucky to live in a world where we'll be blessed with the PlayStation 215. Yeah, right. Yeah, because <laughs> it came point. after 214. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think if, if, if what you're predicting is right, I'm hoping maybe it's that the, the various models in this console generation are the Xbox Series X, the Xbox Series B, the Xbox Series O, and then the Xbox Series lowercase x. <laughs> the other x yeah, the lowercase version oh you want lowercase all right that's the the least expensive on our series model line yeah. i just want them to just go all papyrus font and then i'd be <laughs> yeah um as for the look you know it's interesting it, it does look like a mini tower case for a pc and a lot of people were reacting it saying oh you know we're we're in full pc town now it, we have been for two generations, folks. So it's no, it's it's no surprise there. I, I do. There is a part of me that pines for the days when the Xbox 360, the design of it was all about an inhale, and it was <laughs> supposed to look, you know, like the idea that they would try to create something that actually had a bit of, I don't know, razzle dazzle, has a little bit of of, of a design sensibility to it. Not that this doesn't have a design sensibility. It just feels a little safe and a little uh, a, a little bland as far as I'm concerned. That's fine. It's not something I'm going to spend a lot of time staring at. And I think, as you pointed out, Khalif, the, the all-in on the, on the 360 of like, you're going to change your pl- face plates. It's an inhale. It, it's going to be a centerpiece of your day. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's cream colored. It'll stand out against all your other you know dark colored electronics. All of that ultimately was kind of a waste of time and didn't really matter in the long run. But there's also a part of me that kind of digs that element of it. The like, oh, what's the new console going to look like? Yeah. And when they're all just, you know, black boxes, it's a little less fun for me. But I also don't really care that much. As yeah, I mean, I want it to be something that they, they they thought about in real ways. Like, I like the postmortem stuff when they do the, you know, behind the scenes of like why they did. I think Apple does a fantastic job at that. Like when yeah. they drop a new saying they have their whole like you know five minute video of like how this connects to your heart and your children and yeah. your dog and why the glass is made out of adamantium. we talked to ourselves and we said how can we create the most interesting object human beings have ever touched yeah yeah you know they're like this came from stardust and is now in your yeah, hand yeah and i'm like yeah that's cool <laughs> but like is it gonna break when i drop it <laughs> right <laughs> like, yeah. does it break no okay good yeah, but it, it would be cool for them to actually like do something that is, you know, not in the the vein that we usually think of. And I mean, I remember the boomerang 
uh, uh, controllers from from Sony that got supposedly you know uh, you know put out into the world, or some yeah. some version of that as being what would wind up being what the DualShock wound up being. But it doesn't feel like everyone is playing real safe at Microsoft right now. Um, yeah, in, in terms of their design, but I think that what they did really interestingly was they picked a game that was not safe to show off the first part of that reveal, which I thought was really interesting in Hellblade too. Yes, that's a good transition. Uh, it is interesting that that's the first real uh, next geny thing, and he said it's not near. You know, it's 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 a long time coming. Doesn't sound like it's going to be a launch title. Doesn't sound like it might even be here in the next year or two but you know getting a uh, a sequel to hellblade uh is pretty exciting i i think that that game was super well received and they they acquired ninja theory so it seemed you know a pretty safe bet but seeing it in motion was pretty pretty darn cool too yeah that 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 motion capture i remember i remember being at gdc maybe three or four years ago when they first debuted Unreal Engine, kind of digging into that stuff in a real way, and I remember they used the 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 actress who wound up being the, the main one cast in Hellblade, and even then it was astounding. But now the fact that they've gotten it so detailed, the the way that she emoted in the in the video and just like the emotion on her face and her eyes and all the like small nuance things that we, we were worried about when it came to the uncanny Valley. That seems like it's hitting. Yeah. I was hyped from that. Cause I was like, this is the second Xbox trailer that has done something like that in the past year with the gears trailer. And then this one. Yeah. Um, so I'm hyped for that, for that level of detail. I want it looks that. like FMV to me. I mean, it looks like, yeah, human beings. And like, I was makeup. So just like, what is this? Yeah. How did you pull this off? Yeah. Yeah, like in engine i was like all right well christian spicer uh that brings us to you i'm sure uh, you'll have a lot to talk about what is your story of the week well real quickly before just on the design of the series x as someone who is sitting next to their launch xbox one I yeah mean, the series x's design to me looks exactly the same it's just two inches thicker like it's not yeah. i mean the, the xbox one the original xbox one was just a big black box that it's four inches wide and 12 inches right. deeper. You know, and it was huge. No, yeah, you're And right. it had a huge power brick, <laughs> you know? So I if, just, if and this I know thing that, has an internal brick and it's two inches bigger and it's powerful as, as they say it is, I don't know. I honestly don't know. This entertainment center I'm sitting at, it literally would not fit uh, in where my PlayStation and Xbox are. But I don't know. I'll put it on the floor or something, I guess. <laughs> no, I agree with you. It's, it ultimately doesn't really matter. But I also feel like if they had stuck with xbox scarlet as the name and then it had glowed red or something i know they're they're all in on green for xbox but if it had i I felt like that would have felt special and cool and if it had i don't know maybe people would have been making hal jokes and talking about red rings of death and all that stuff so maybe maybe they thought through all that but it just feels like you get all yourself all excited about something and then ultimately it's just like okay it's a product and that's fine and it's, I, I'm sure it's going to be a really fun product that has a lot of really cool software, and that's really what it's about anyway. But I kind of miss the days when, you know, they looked weird and were all about being this this kind of uh, design. You know, the the first Xbox it was it had a big X on the top with this this useless bulb <laughs> sticking out of the middle, and the Dreamcast was weird looking, and you know, it's like these things used to look 
odd. And now, uh, now they're all just, you know, the same. they've changed Don't from work. being kids toys to things that disappear yeah. into your entertainment. I mean, the last console air quote console that I unboxed, it was a Chromecast, you know? So <laughs> yeah, it, right. it's a different Don't worry, world. I was the game pass very shortly. All right, Christian, uh, yes. what is your, what is your story of the week? So it kind of came and went via press release, but I think it has the potential to be huge. And it's that the the best and arguably only, I mean, there's RBI that kind of came back, but I will say the best and only baseball game, MLB The Show, has renewed its contract with MLB. And the bigger thing is that it is going cross-platform. It will no longer live as a PlayStation exclusive. They did not say where it's going to show up, if that's Steam or, you know, Epic Game Store or Xbox or Switch or somewhere else. But the idea of... It's just, it's just Sony and Stadia. Those are the two places. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> but the idea that this, you know, Sony stalwart franchise that is made by an internal studio of theirs in San Diego for years and has been a great game, like a really well-reviewed game year after year after year after year. And I think avoided some of the pitfalls of annual sports games and the gambleization. <laughs> man, NBA 2K20's trailer. I still can't think about that and not laugh. <laughs> the guy's like, I'm playing roulette or whatever it was. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, anyway, the show, uh, this, this feels huge. I think this is another step toward the idea of, um, a game as a service or a console as a service. And maybe I'm overthinking it and it's just like how Microsoft put their games on, you know, Halo's on Steam or something like that. And it's just going to be MLB on Steam. But this coming from a world where these, you know, major sports franchises were signed to exclusive contracts and Sony had theirs, but it was part of the MLB agreement that they were still able to have with non-exclusive and they could license with others. And, but then 2K kind of stopped making theirs and EA's never really existed. Um, I think there's potential here for this to be a really, really big deal. And it will happen as early as 2021. So we're not too far away from learning what this what this future is. Do you think that this is a harbinger of this generation? I've heard some speculation that this MLB The Show announcement is really a uh, a forerunner of the kinds of things we're going to see a lot over the next three to five years where – it's going to be less about these franchises staying on, you know, the platforms we know them and more about things existing anywhere, existing on mobile, existing on, you know, across all these different ways to get them multiple places on PC, multiple consoles, and that it really will be less, less about that and more about the services that the console you want is going to offer and how your data is being managed. And, you know, we saw, I think elements of that, this generation, this sort of uh, battleship turn, you know, the small battleship turn toward that direction. Do you think we're, do you think MLB the show is the first of what is going to be a lot of games that, that make this decision? Short answer. No, but well, yes. In the battleship analogy, right? Like this is an aircraft carrier. And when my kids are playing games, you know, when they're our age and DLCs and it's 20th year, whatever it is, uh, by the way, 19th. So we have the the naming structure that's consistent. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, And in that version of it, I will have finished death stranding or my kid, my oldest will finish death stranding and your oldest will finish control. And they'll (laughs) still be talking about them. Um, 
I think yes. I think in the the turning an aircraft carrier, yes, we are seeing this. I think in terms of immediate changes or with this next console generation, no. I don't think we're going to see a lot more of this. I think we'll see a lot more cross-play. Mortal Kombat 11, excellent game. Uh, I like the reworking of Joker for that that they showed at Game Awards as well. Um, you know, they've been experimenting with cross with a K. <laughs> cross-play between Xbox and PlayStation 4 and so I think we'll continue to see stuff like that. But from these first party studios, the biggest examples I think are still Microsoft doing what they do, um, you know, across PC and stuff like that. So yes, but in the short term, no. <laughs> Khalif, what do you think about this announcement? Um, it's it's a big deal that MLB The Show is is going to be available on other devices. Do you do you think that we're going to see more games available in more places than we ever have before? Or do you think that this is an outlier that won't be repeated quite so much? I mean, I kind of hope so. I mean, yeah. I'm really excited for Sony San Diego because they have been putting out the best baseball game on the planet for a very long time. Um, and it was always weird because I always uh, appreciated the fact that they were very um, uh, uh, loyal to 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 playstation and to sony and staying there because of one a contract but two also because the 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 player base like loved that franchise a a bunch um and it's going to be really cool to have xbox folks be able to experience that now um in a real way the one thing that i do find really interesting is now with uh mlb the show was always a kind of centerpiece around how far we had how far we had gotten in terms of tech on platforms especially for sony where they would definitely use that as a showcase piece to say here's what things look like a couple years ago here's what they look like now and look at the technical changes that we've been able to to put into um this particular game through the, the the tools that we have and we're giving to our first and third party studios um it they they probably lose a little bit of that now with this game not no longer being in the in the fold in that way um, and I, I do think that it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to see more of this across the board, um, with franchises that may not be specifically tied to, uh, consoles or, 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 or to companies. Cause like, you know, you're never going to see, I don't think you'll ever see a Halo game go be on a Sony platform. It's I, I disagree, platform. dude. I yeah? think, I honestly think that this could be the generation where, especially Microsoft feels like they don't care so much about where you play it and on what you play it. As long as you're paying them that subscription fee, Mm. if if we get it, if game pass becomes really everything for Microsoft, which I kind of can see that happening. I can, I can see them getting all in on it and, and really feeling like they are the Netflix of video games. And if, if that happens, they can be like, you know, we provide one, method for playing our stuff we provide hardware that plays our stuff and maybe it plays our stuff best but i could definitely see them agreeing to allow that subscription to be applicable on anything on your switch on your whatever and there's if they're still collecting that subscription fee i think that's a plausible future it it may not work out that way i could be completely off on that but i I could see that happening in, you know, by the end of this console cycle that Microsoft is just like, we I kind of don't care if you buy our box because we're selling them at a loss anyway. Just get our subscription, play the games we're making on anything. And maybe Sony will see that as a win too and allow that to happen for them. I, 
I don't know. I maybe I'm requires, crazy talking. But. I think that requires X Cloud or something else because I think Khalif made a, a good point of like when you're able to build for a specific console, right? Like God of War looks incredible. Uh, Uncharted Four looks incredible. Um, there are games on these con- on the PlayStation Four that look better than anything on PC, and it's these developers are able to write specifically for that <clears throat> and utilize every little trick along the way. And how much do you lose then if you know I'm playing Halo Infinite on my PlayStation Five? Like, how do you cross program for that? If it's X Cloud and it's streaming, then I think that's less of a concern. But I, I do agree with you, Jeff, and I think things that I left out of like Microsoft has shown a willingness for this with Banjo coming back Mm -hmm. to smash Ori going to switch um, among other examples. So they're definitely looking to play ball. I, there also was, I think there was leaks of like prototype out there. Wasn't there like a game boy advanced halo many, many years ago. Oh man. I never heard of that, but that's funny. It was like DS or something. I, I think there was, maybe it was just like it a was prototype. Halo, was it, was, uh, it. it was Halo de-evolved. Is that combat, <laughs> combat de-evolved? <laughs> um, but I think that's the question. If you allow your, your thing across anything, then, I mean, EA does it, right? But then you're just a, a publisher, you know, unless right. well, you're a publisher. Yeah, you're a publisher plus, right? You're a publisher uh, and you control the, I mean, you're Netflix, right? Netflix is creating their own stuff, but they also allow other people's stuff on their, they just want to get that value. They want the value add for the thing that really makes them the money, which is you paying every month. And I don't know, maybe I'm completely off base. I could just, I feel like that could happen. I think Microsoft, like you said, has shown the willingness to, to, to play well with others in that way. I think the first thing we'll see if anything that will be that even kind of inching towards that from the Sony side would be, and this is my hope. I'm like fingers crossed and like have put out cookies and milk for Santa for this to happen <laughs> is for Sony to put things out on PC. I think yeah. that'll be the first thing like well, that's, if that's strandings were, happening. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like though, like that's the, the, the kind of slow moving of Sony's taking some of their really, really sought after exclusives. Like if just imagine if last of us two goes to PC. Yeah. Imagine how amazing that will be for all those folks in that platform space to be able to have one of the most anticipated console games coming to that platform as a way to kind of help build Sony's next layer of how they want to kind of do things going forward. I think Microsoft is already doing that because they already have a platform in the PC with Windows and they already understand that people are going to be playing on PC in a real way anyway. Sony has been the one in this yeah. in the last half of this generation that's been holding their cards very close to the chest and not not wanting to move a lot on on most of that things and they may wind up finding themselves behind because of that if they don't move quickly to kind of move in those in those other directions. Yeah. Yep. Well, speaking of holding things close to your chest, I want to talk about our first sponsor, Third Love. It might be my favorite transition ever, by the way. Uh, Third Love is a bra company. See, because you're holding stuff close to your chest. Um, (laughs) If you are someone that wears bras or knows someone that wears bras or maybe cares deeply about someone who wears bras, listen up because Third Love are the best bras. I don't know this. What do I know? I don't wear bras. I've never worn bras. My wife, however, expert. At bras, she knows her bras, and she is absolutely in love with Third Love. Why? Because 
they fit. The bras fit. They feel good. They're made with materials that actually are there to be comfortable. They are designed meticulously to be comfortable, to be the most comfortable bra. They have more sizes than most other bra manufacturers, more than 80 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes. They're convenient because you just buy them from home. You don't have to go in. And the best part is they have the Fit Finder quiz. You just answer a few simple questions to find your perfect fit. All you have to do is fill out the Fit Finder quiz. Over 14 million women have taken the quiz to date. It's actually fun. It takes less than a minute to complete. And then it makes sure that the bra is fit to you. Breast shape matters when finding a good fit. This is all taken into account through this quiz. They have actually a promise at Third Love, the perfect fit promise, that means they will ensure that this will be the most comfortable bra you've ever worn. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, put it to the test. And if you don't love it, if you don't absolutely love it the way my wife does, I know Christian's wife feels the same way, you can return it and Third Love will wash it and then donate it to a woman in need. How cool is that? So even, you know, there's no risk to you. And even if, if things don't work out, you're going to help somebody in need, which is pretty awesome. These are hands down the most comfortable bra you'll own. So far, Third Love has donated over $15 million in bras. That's pretty awesome. Third Love knows there is a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC for 15% off today. What a perfect gift for the holidays. Third love. All right. Uh, so I want to talk a little more about the game awards. Khalif, uh, you and I were both there. What did you think of the event in total as, as an event? I, I feel like this was the first year that I remember in the five years that there wasn't anything that really um, had people kind of snickering or, or making fun of it. It felt like a really uh, mature, um, respectful and respected event. I felt like there was no, you know, goofy person throwing out a bunch of uh, uh, expletives on stage. You know, there was, there was no, nothing that made me feel like, Oh, we still haven't grown all the way up enough to have our own award show. This felt like a, a pretty solid event. Yeah, what I what I what I find is that Keeley has started to really nail the idea around what his vision is trying to be. It feels like he's finally kind of like getting comfortable in his own skin in terms of what the game awards wants to be. He did have a whole bunch of Canadian jokes, which was which I found really funny. Uh he was like, hey, everybody's from Canada, including me. Ha 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 uh and that was it that was that was a fun little you know uh, thing to to note but in terms of you know everyone kind of talking about what the awards was going to be this year and this being my second one uh having uh, attended last year and then again this year i agree it does feel like the the show itself is figuring out exactly what it needs to kind of represent in the ideas around is it supposed to be quote unquote, I'm putting up my air quotes right now, the Oscars for video games. Yeah. And the answer to that is no, because there is a very specific uh, connection to the Oscars and movies and games to the game awards. 
but it does feel like he is kind of hitting his stride. Yeah. And the one thing that I would say he needs to figure out or, or to kind of revamp is one time. Cause it's, it's a, it's a long show. Um, yes, yes. it has some filler in it. And also the placement of the awards that are pre-show versus during the award ceremony is very different. Um, especially if you're in attendance, the, like, like we talked about a little bit earlier in the show was that, it's not really for the people in the room, which I find really not at all for the people in the room. It's, it's ridiculous. It's it, his back is to all of us all the time <laughs> yep. and they don't even have the courtesy to put the feed up on the screens in the room. So you can see the, the faces of the people talking Keely and others. It is, it, it seems is, baffling it, to me that the, the, they wouldn't just do that. It seems like it's such a simple fix. Like let us just look at the screens and see the yeah. feed that you're, you know, broadcasting to Twitch and other places. I, I don't get it. It's super weird. I mean, the funny thing is they made sure that you, you saw those Linus Tech Tip ads, which was really yeah, funny. yeah. <laughs> because I was like, all the things that we don't really need to check out, you're those are things that get shown in the room, and everybody else doesn't see the actual show, which I think plays to the feeling and the vibe in the room itself. Like the room felt okay in terms of energy, but yeah, it is also it was very well. different in comparison to even last year where they had. Um, more folks who were were not necessarily industry folks in the room. Yeah, so people were you know like actually hyped about it. You you all of you have been in the in the industry for a long time now at this point, and there is this kind of feeling of like you are you're you're too cool for school, and you can't like be excited about some things, and that kind of permeates its way through a room. And the, I'm not going to say that there was some of that this year, but it definitely did feel like there was a level of energy that wasn't there except for when. A musical, uh, a musical act was about to be on stage, and even then, folks were kind of, you know, pumping their fists in the most <laughs> not yeah. in way. Well, it's an so, odd thing, you know. You're there in in, in this sort of staid um, um, uh, awards environment, and then Green Day is asking you to put your effing hands in the air. It's like, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I've been sitting here for three hours, and I don't know if I'm ready to do that. Um, <laughs> I did enjoy Green Day, though. It was, it was cool seeing them live. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. I, I thought overall pulled it off pretty well. Even the thing that usually falls flat in something like this, which is like the, the moment where he, where Keely interacted with the character from Apex Legends, those have the potential to really fall flat. And I thought they even did that fairly well. So, you know, kudos to him and kudos to their production team. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the awards themselves. I think the, the coolest thing about the award show the awards of the award show was that we had, I think a genuine surprise for game of the year. Sekiro shadows die twice winning. I certainly didn't anticipate. And I don't, I, I felt like the whole room was pretty surprised when that name was read. Um, Christian, what do you think about the game? I know you're, you know, sort of anti award shows anyway, but, but I know you're also a fan of Sekiro. So did you, were you pleased at least to see that surprise happen? I mean, I think it's great to have see these developers that put so much passion into their games um, be celebrated and rewarded and, and have a night when they're able to be among their peers and, and you know, take that moment here at the end of the year of like a holiday party, right? And and celebrate each other's achievements and hard work. I certainly enjoyed my time in Sekiro, a game that I only played um, because of all of the wonderful audience members encouraging me to when I was raising money for St. Jude. So I have a positive association with the game, certainly because of that. Um, so I think it's cool to see that team 
get some recognition. Going back to what you're talking about, the award show itself, I think that's kind of the last piece of the puzzle that they need to figure out is the room, the the people in the room. To Khalif's point, I feel like honestly, it doesn't seem like they care. Yeah, well, you want the energy, right? Because you want to be able to telecast that energy out to other people, so you get those live and honest reactions. But it is—it's a weird thing where you know you have a bunch of industry people that I don't think they are going to get amped up for a, a logo reveal. You know, like it's, okay, like if you worked on that team, but then you need to sell it differently. Then it's like, and they're in the room, and the, and you know whatever, and then you kind of sell it as that. And I I don't know if they have that chunk figured out yet, but I trust. Um, Jeff and the production team to figure that stuff out because it, the show has gone such a long way from the Spike Awards to, yeah. you know, when Jeff did it on his own and to what it is now. And whether it's a simple thing like a catwalk comes out and Jeff's in the middle of the people as he's talking or something, I, and I think they'll get there, but that's that's the next step. And then back to Sekiro, I mean, it is a game that everybody loved. I mean, there's a reason why I played it on my St. Jude charity stream, right? Like, audience was clamoring for me to play this game and i know a lot of other streamers and stuff like that uh had success with that game and there was a it was in the news cycle for a long time about the idea of difficulty and games need to be easy and so i think a lot of those people see it winning game of the year at game awards as something that kind of illustrates that a game that is not for everyone can have Mm. mainstream success and um, recognition within the industry as well. Khalif, uh, I, I would say my biggest uh, surprise coming out of these awards is that the game that won the most awards is Disco Elysium, a game I think is <laughs> very worthy of that uh, distinction. But my goodness, I, I would never have predicted it. Um, very pleased to see Disco Elysium win several awards. Are there any awards from the awards section of the ceremony that stick out to you? Well, I mean, one of the biggest things that I've walked away with kind of shaking my head was how the outer worlds got snubbed in all the categories that it was in. I did not see that coming at all. Like I thought maybe it would pull, I didn't think it was going to pull game of the year, but I did think that it was going to pull, I think it was in art direction or I think it was in, um, uh, what was the other one? Game direction. It was in. Yeah. But wow, I was I was so just like it didn't even win for narrative. It was in three categories, didn't win anything, which yeah. threw me way off. Yeah, um, it was surprising. Yeah, you're right. Because because the game was loved by lots and lots of people. People who were really excited for the return of a of a Fallout esque game. You know. You know. What? I I had this thought uh, the other day, and at the risk of spinning the show off on a completely uh, um, weird tangent, I had the thought that if Outer Worlds was released, the exact same game, not a single line of code was changed, but it was released as a Bethesda game Mm -hmm. and not a... um, Obsidian game. Yeah, Obsidian game. I think it... The feeling of... The the sort of um, monumental nature of it or the impact of it would have been different. I think people would have viewed that game different, the exact same game. But if Bethesda studios puts out the outer worlds and maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm being, um, that's cool. I think there's, I think there's, there's, there's reasons that that would be a reasonable. Don't you think it feels like it would be, it would feel like it was more of a tentpole 2019 game than maybe it got it credit for being. I mean, 
I think that the, the the conversation that would happen around that if it was a Bethesda joint and it was not an Obsidian one would be less about the game itself and more about how Bethesda has turned a corner on its tech. Yeah, yeah. Like, because that's the thing. That's the, Honestly, that's the main thing that is holding Bethesda back at this point is that the the thing that you think of when you think of a Bethesda game at this point is jank. Yeah. And it's like, it's an interesting, you know, you know, burden to have where they are going to make more games in the future. There is no uh, thing in sight that says that they're going to stop producing the same kinds of games or at least the same kind of vein in which they've kind of figured out and found their place. But right now, if you ask anybody out in the street about a Bethesda game, they're like, yeah, it's really cool and it has a great story, but damn, the jank in it. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. The beauty of what Obsidian has done has has been that they've kind of resurrected a thing from, you know, something that they've already made in, in, in New Vegas and then coming back out with a newer version, a better version, a, a, a more one-to-one version of what people wanted already. But it's not coming from a studio that has the cachet. Right. Because again, like memories are short, you know, recycling in and out of, of ages now where people don't remember those previous games in the same ways that they do because we have so many games that come out now and the turnover is so quick that, yeah, if Bethesda was to have made that game and put it out, the conversation would be very, very different. I don't know if it would have necessarily won awards. But I do think that the conversation would be different. That's a good point. I like yeah, that. I think so. To to follow this thread, Jeff, I'm curious, looking at the winners or scrolling through, like what was it nominated for and what it lost to? I mm-hmm. Looking at it, I don't know if Bethesda's Fallout Funny, you know, wins. I don't know if it – again, I think – I, I just think the entire perception of the game would have been different. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, th- but that's – that's like saying if I made Death Stranding versus Kojima making Death Stranding. You know, well, yeah, but, Obsidian but, is much bigger than me making a game. So I'm not trying to say Obsidian making game is like if I put out my first game. But yes, it's the same reason that Steven Spielberg's name is attached to any movie that he does or. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. But it, I, I, it carries I think weight. It, sure. And I perhaps it is a um, perhaps it is an obvious point to make, but I. I still think that it's interesting to me that Outer Worlds isn't perceived as perhaps being – I mean, it did very, very well, and we, we saw that, and people really dug it. It, it got uh, very high marks, and it sold well by all accounts. So I don't know. Maybe I'm attributing – I think you're reaching a little bit. I think it yeah, is maybe. seen as that. I mean, they nominated five or whatever it is, six games for Game of the Year, the Game Awards. Outer Worlds is one of those six. I can tell you a lot of great games came out this year, well, you know, like enough. same for best game direction. It's it's in some really good company and it's, it's hard then to say that it's not. And I think, oh no. Yeah. It's been on a lot of publications, best like top five games of the year as well. So I think it's, a, I don't know. I, I feel to me, it feels like a home run. I really liked it. It was on game pass. The publisher said it met and exceeded their expectations obsidian is now owned by microsoft this felt like a nice flex for them to come mm-hmm. out and say like we know that new vegas had problems but trust us we say when we say we know what we're doing in the genre like i i think it's i, I think it's doing fine correct i i'm not disagreeing that it's not doing fine I, I okay fair enough let's transition to uh the announcements at the game awards the big 
trailers that showed uh, at, at a rapid fire rate this year. It felt like to me even more than normal. It was just it's just constantly. Um, and well, I'll, I'll, the commercial. Did they show the commercials in the audience? Yes. Oh yes, because those were also yeah. announcements. It felt like, yeah, a <laughs> like lot of them I don't know when the show stopped or ended. It was it was yeah. interesting. Um, so I'll just rattle off uh, the ones that we saw, and we can you guys can pick out anything that you find interesting. Uh, of course, we already mentioned Hellblade Two, Senua's Saga, uh, Bravely Default Two was announced, Godfall, a new IP, Prologue, another new IP from uh, Player Unknown, uh, The Ruined King. Which is that the, one? What? That's the one I want to flag. Okay, I'm v- very interested in that. That's it's the what, League of Legends single player game that we. It's we one had. of the first Riot Forge games that we heard yeah. about uh, not too long ago. It's made by Airship Syndicate, yep. which are the people behind Darksiders Genesis. Um, and I really like Darksiders Genesis. I'm still thoroughly enjoying that game and i feel like it doles out powers in a really satisfying way and so to have them work on a single player game of a character rich world and for riot i'm assuming a lot of stuff here and also full disclosure i know people at airship but so that is a thing that is a true truism but i don't think that's coloring my decision my, my discussion here but i think it says something about that team and that talent for riot when they're opening their own proverbial floodgates, but to have them be one of the first studios for this, yeah. I think says a lot. And so a single player narrative story game made by this team that's making, that made this other game that I'm thoroughly enjoying that kind of snuck out here at the end of the year. I'm super excited for what, for what riot and airship does in expanding their universe. Yeah. I mean, we don't really know exactly what kind of game it's going to be, but I'm certainly intrigued by it. We got, I guess we got the first and second of those uh, yeah. Riot Forge games announced uh, at the Game Awards. Um, uh, other games on the list, Gears Tactics, we got, we got a bunch of stuff about. Uh, Wolf Among Us 2, Magic Legends. There's lots of Magic the Gathering presence throughout the show. Tons. And d and Carl Weathers was in all of the ads for Magic stuff? <laughs> getting, getting that paycheck, man. Get the bag, Carl. <laughs> Uh, New World, the uh, the upcoming Amazon Studios MMO. We, we saw some more about that. A, a very extended uh, Ghost of Tsushima trailer with full live orchestra accompaniment, which is pretty cool. With the PlayStation release. 4 logo and a date on the end PlayStation of it? PlayStation 4. I was, I was very surprised by that. Uh, I thought for sure Ghost of Tsushima was going to be – and clearly I think that and Last of Us 2 are going to be these sort of cross-generational bridges. Mm-hmm, but yeah. – I really thought it was going to be a launch title for PS5, and I'm surprised it's not, honestly. Maybe it's just so far along in its development that they weren't going to bump it up. It wasn't going to show off the PS5 enough to uh, to justify that, but it, it seems to me that it's being pushed out very close to now to Last of Us 2 to try to get it to make way for the PlayStation 5, which I don't understand that. I, I feel like it could have been an awesome launch game, but boy, that trailer looked amazing. And I'm going to say something that I'll likely regret. As opposed to every episode for us, Jeff. Yeah, like, yeah, what no. are we doing? So I'm just saying, I get, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm saying the thing that I always do, that I do, you know, as I always do, that I will regret. <laughs> this week's edition of Jeff's going to regret it uh, is uh, I honestly think t- right now, today, if you said you could play right now only one of two, one of these games, Ghost of Tsushima. Or Cyberpunk 2077, 
Ooh. I think I'd pick Ghost of Tsushima. Really? I think I what? would. What? I know. It's crazy. I wish this was on camera. You could see my face. What? I know. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to regret saying that when, when, uh, cyberpunk finally releases. They but... release the same month, don't they? Aren't they both? Wait, are they? We don't one know the March month. And one's Ghost... May. We don't know the month for Ghost of Tsushima. It's just summer. Oh, it's just summer. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, oh, man. Okay. That's, ooh, man. I, I, I'm, ooh. I, I'm saying that to say how excited I am for that game. I think the art direction is jaw dropping and I want to be in that world. I want to be a samurai. I want to run through waist high leaves, you know, that are swashing constant. I want to be in a place that's always windy, you know, uh, that's I, every the, racing game. Wait, released wait a minute. Is, are you picking, are you picking the, the, the not too distant future over running through fields of wheat? I, I want to. I want to run Come through on. wheat, man. I want to run, yeah. run through wheat when it's always sunset. I want to. I, I know that's always every racing game, but I want to do that with a sword strapped to my hip. And I also prefer third person games to first person games. Just saying that. What if I pulled you a wheat stand on DLC episode? I'm a big fan of wheat. Oh, what man. if I told you you could do that right now and it won Game of the Year this year? Oh, you're saying. <laughs> That's kind, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at on Ghost of Tsushima. I, I'm excited for it because it's a Sucker Punch joint. Mm-hmm. And like Sucker Punch just doesn't miss. In my, awesome. in my eyes, they make fantastic games. But the more like I was sitting in the, in the, in the seats and I was like, all right, this is going to this is going to look cool. I'm excited for the kind of um, the the usual flair that that goes along with this genre in this time period, in this time era. But I'm kind of ninja out right now. And I don't know, and Ninja and Sim right out, I don't know what's going to get me to that next level. That's going to get if me I send you, What if I send you Vanilla Ice's song from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go? First will you all, get excited about ninjas again? First of all, that'll make me sad because it reminds me of the 94 Knicks and then how they lost. Because to, that was who did the, they lose to? Who did they lose to? The Houston Rockets. Yeah! Boom! Sadness. Sadness abound and how that Clutch City, baby. Other things that happened around that time in that era. Uh, Pat Riley, I still remember. But uh, <laughs> Pat Riley just silently qu- crying as he listens to DLC version. right now. <laughs> go New York, go New York, go part of that definitely reminds me of that thing. But I, but I don't know. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know if there's a space left for more ninjas and samurais for me right now at, at this moment, and the fact that. Jeff said that just hurt my heart. I'm it's- fully prepared to eat all the crow when Cyberpunk comes out and it owns me and I fall deeply, madly in love with it. And it's like Witcher three level good and all that stuff. I'm pre- fully prepared for that. But honestly, that world, uh, you know, I don't know. The older I get, the more the, the kind of world that I'm spending time in matters. Mm-hmm. And like that world where it's just, everything is beautiful and, you know, you want to like meditate there and it's, it's all, uh, it just, it, it, it's got history and it's, it just feels important and everybody's standing perfectly framed with the sun behind them. And it's just, I, I, and then the other, the other world is like grimy and gritty and you know, everybody's cursing and, and pulling body parts off themselves. I'm going to love it. Perfectly framed sure. with a neon light behind them. I'm sure I'm going to love it. I just, uh, right this second, I'm like, I just want to spend time in that pretty place more but um you That's know reasonable. yeah anyway okay moving on 
another game that uh, I'm I'm very intrigued by and want to see more about is Weird West, which is the uh, the first game from Wolf Eye Studios, which is the uh, studio formed by uh, the former designers of the Dishonored and uh, and Prey Two. Uh, and I expected when they introed it and they're like, you know, we're doing more of the kinds of things we do. I'm like, okay, cool. What is this upcoming first person uh, adventure game going to be like? And it's this isometric top down thing. And I'm like, Oh, I love isometric so much. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm into that. Uh, weird West looks kind of cool. Um, and then we also saw uh, the game that closed the show. Fast and the furious crossroads. Which not the Britney Spears feature film Crossroads. Yes, yes. Uh, um, which I think I can now say. I hope I'm okay to say that I did a little voice for. So uh, I think my my I think I can say my voice is in that game. Um, so take my, whatever I say about it with a grain of salt because I'm I'm in it a little bit. Um, but. What did you guys think? So any other games you want to talk about? I mean, so I think the bigger surprises were, were Prologue, although we don't know anything about that. Um, yeah. Uh, Fast and Furious Crossroads was kind of a big reveal, and it ended the show, and Vin Diesel was there, and Michelle Rodriguez was there. Uh, I did scream Tygon Studios, what up, from, from, the, from, the, from the seats. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I want you to make a new game. Make a, make a game. I know you have a studio. I know you have money. Make a game. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely has money. I adore or have adored. They've now been consumed, and I'm not sure what they are now. But Project Car Studio. Uh, was it Crazy Mad or uh, slight, Slightly Mad? Um, I think I might be getting information wrong. But the folks that made Project Cars. Project Cars, super ambitious. Yeah. wildly cool um sim styled racing game that got updates and evolved and i'm a big fan of that game and of that team of those people that that made that game and they clearly put their love into the into that game um so i'm excited that they are the ones that are working on this game that said no offense jeff the trailer looked R-U-F-F rough. It looked, <laughs> watching that trailer, I would not have guessed that it was from the pedigree of a studio that has made arguably one of the best driving games of the last decade. Yeah. Um, and I felt like every cutaway was trying to hide like lip sync <laughs> issues. Like uh-huh. Vin looked rough. Like I saw real Vin and then I saw not real Vin <laughs> like right next to each other. I love Fast and the Furious. It is such, I'm never going to say a guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure. Like what bombastic, silly, fun movies they've become where it's like in this episode, like the first one is like car versus tank. That's cool. And now it's like car launching through three buildings, landing in plane that's flying, crashing into Arctic, coming out against submarine. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm down. Um, so I think there's room for an awesome video game there. But to me and Khalif, I, I'm happy to be wrong. The trailer did not, get me hyped agreed uh it did look a lot it did look really rough i was really surprised they showed it to be honest in that state uh because it was especially because it's the last thing of the show too which i thought was really weird placement for that whole deal to be at the end of the show with a lot of exposition from michelle rodriguez and then been coming out especially when we already saw next gen games yeah like it did feel like a weird step backwards 
and like timing was off and something like, I don't know how you stage that part and lay that out as the thing that you go home with. You know what I mean? As, as the, like the Xbox reveal should have been the last thing that got dropped at the end. Of the yeah. Day. You know, that's a way to send everybody home. Super happy, excited about the future, excited about the future of the game awards. is like this place that, you know, you're going to get crazy stuff. Um, but it, it, it fell flat both in the room and I'm sure on stream. Um, the the interesting part, actually, because uh, I know we're about to shift in a minute, was the Wolf Among Us 2 announcement was nuts because it was a thing that everybody was hoping for at some point. But then it was the most interesting flip of the coin once people got home and back on the Internet that they were like, oh, wait a minute. Telltale's not doing this. Yeah that's not cool like it was it was really interesting to see that what is telltale also right like it is a company that has been bought by people in santa monica now and i think they bring some of the people but you know like i don't know who's (laughs) what is wolf among us 2 and 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 what is telltale and who's making these games it's very interesting yeah it's 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 gonna be uh a a a really developing story as as you would want to want to put it because you know people reached out to former employees of, of telltale right after to say like are you all work is anybody from the old squad working on this and pretty much everybody said no yeah which was a terrible taste in the in the mouths of the folks who and, and i guess this doesn't really play for folks who are you know not necessarily tied to the industry in the ways that we are i doubt that they care in that same way but it was a thing that industry folks were like "Ooh, that's a bad look that's that's not that's not a that's a yikes moment for for wolf the wolf among us too yeah so we'll see how that plays itself out but um, i'm still excited for that game because it it left on a high note uh and was one of the better telltale games that i liked the the last thing that i want to highlight real quick is the fact that i i still definitely got a chill through the back of my neck when i saw the first first time seeing playstation 5 listed as the release for godfall Mm-hmm. The first time we ever saw that, you know, it's like, here's, here's a game. It's been announced for a console that we don't, it hasn't even really been officially. I mean, we know it's coming, but it hasn't been officially revealed yet. And yet mm-hmm. we got a, the first game that says PlayStation five as the, as the title card after the trailer. I, I, I still got a little, little bit of a chill for that. The interesting part though about that. And I, and, and tell me if I'm wrong and to, uh, you know, share your feelings about this too was, there was a very stark contrast between what was going to be on a next gen Xbox console and what was at least in the form of Godfall, what was going to be on a PlayStation five console. Like it didn't seem like when I looked at Godfall that that screamed, Oh, this is really new. And this is going to be something that I need to get. Although I'm really excited for it and intrigued by it as opposed to what they did with Hellblade being the, Here's the first thing you're seeing on what is going to be the next console that we put out in the world. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much we can draw, how many, how much conclusion we can draw from that. But, but yeah, didn't we already see Halo Infinite though at E3? That I mean, I think we've been here before. Yeah, not really. Yeah, you're saying that Halo Infinite was underwhelming as far as a next gen. Oh no, no, I'm saying I don't think it was underwhelming. I thought I, I think it looks. Uh, interesting i think it looks but that was an xbox one x uh sorry oh, i did it i did the thing <laughs> the series x it was a series x it was announced as a series x game uh, right yeah 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 uh these names are gonna be the end of all of us you're gonna have to find better abbreviations than the ones that we have seen out 
Don't fit. Isn't it yeah. like XX or something now? It's like oof. Yeah. X bone to XX. How somebody to... not anticipate that happening? <laughs> you know, like maybe they wanted it. Who knows? But anyway, all right. Let's talk about some of the games that we have been playing now. There's just so there's so much to talk about as we've been going long, but it is it's all very uh juicy stuff. Um oh also Resident Evil 3 remake is real and it's bundled with that uh multiplayer game that we thought was standalone and it's coming out like in april and it looks incredible that also yeah. was announced yeah that was a whole <laughs> Sorry, state of play that we didn't even talk about because it's too oh, much yeah but yes yes resident evil 3 remake rumored yeah. heavily rumored happening what? uh and yeah it is weird that they're bundling with that game because like nobody wants that but whatever um <laughs> <laughs> all right let me thank our second sponsor which is quip christian i heard you got your quip did you get your quip oh I got my quip. Yeah. Boy, did I get my, and also let me say how disappointed my oldest was when she goes, I thought it was going to be mine. <laughs> and You're I was like, like, no, nothing. Take a like, good look around this house. Nothing is yours. <laughs> Daddy bought like, all this. It's already in my mouth. I'm already using it. You can't take it. It's mine. Uh, yeah, very, it's, it's a very recent addition. Uh, this is my, as of recording second full day with my quip. But after hearing you gush about it, I'm very excited. And first, I guess I've done three brushings with it. Yeah, I just um, should say, in, in case you don't know, Quip is a toothbrush. It's the next evolution of toothbrush. And I, it is, it, I mean, as much as a toothbrush can change your life, it has changed my life. And Christian, you are, you're, you're, you're in the Quip ecosystem now. You're a, you're a Quipper. You're a, we've got to come up with a name for ourselves. Uh, but you're, you're digging uh, it, right? I am. I'm very much digging it. And I think like the the whole getting it experience, I think oftentimes with technology, especially something you're supposed to use every day as like in your mouth and part of your daily morning and evening routine, it can be off-putting if you're like setting up this thing. Very nice, very straightforward, works out of the box. It's not like plug it in and charge it. And it's like you can get it, open it, unwrap it, plop it, stick it right on your mirror, you know, oh, uh, yeah, start you do that, brushing right? away. Isn't that cool? It's I real love nice. That. The mirror uh, holder little keeps it up and away from the the countertop it's great wait and see if you like that stuff wait until you get your first um refresh kit your little uh you get a a a subscription and then on the dentist recommended uh three month schedule you get clean new bristles and new toothpaste and it's so simple it's so cool it's like a tech product the way you like replace the entire head of the brush uh with with the new head it's so cool um, and this is how you maintain healthy dental habits. This is a super easy way to do it. Tell me about those them pulses, Christian. You, you were digging them, right? Them pulses every 30 seconds, and then it turns itself off after two minutes. Isn't that great? Yeah, I know exactly. You, you divide your mouth into four quadrants. I know how much time I'm spending in each area. My dentist, a personal problem sharing too much here, is not brushing um, the right side of my mouth as well. I don't do as good of a job over there. I'm a cross brusher. But now I know exactly how much time I'm spending in each area. And when I'm ready to move on, I was like, I haven't been over here long enough. Nicely done, technology. And so the quip keeps me you know, in each quadrant for the right amount of time. So Quip starts at just 25 bucks, and you get your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash DLC. It's a simple way to support this show and start brushing better, but you have to go to getquip.com slash DLC to get your first refill free. So go right now to getquip.com slash DLC. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash D-L-C. Become a Quipper. 
with us. It is time now to talk about the games that we have been playing. Khalif, I know that you have been playing a game. I just finished uh, Star Wars. We get it, Jeff. You finish games sometimes. <laughs> I told you I finished games. You know this. I'm just joking. Master of finishing games. Yeah, I've been playing some more Fallen Order. Uh, I, it's it's one of those things of like, you know, uh, when you have really good momentum, and you're going through a game, you're like, oh, I'm getting to this part and I'm, I'm figuring out the systems and I'm learning about, about the map and, and kind of getting into the story about where you're where you're heading. And then the game awards happened and it just killed all my momentum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you were going to say and then you stepped on a rock and you fell over and lost all your packages. That's what happens to me when I get momentum. But maybe we're well, talking I mean, about what you have different. to do is you have to hold both straps and you have to leave both forward. straps, dude. Come on, slow it down. Slow it down. Use your upgrades. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, but I'm having fun with it. It's it's weird because I didn't have a lot of expectation going into it. I'm I'm arguably not a, a a huge Star Wars fan, but I was looking forward to seeing how they were going to kind of treat this story with a new character and and build out kind of these side uh, parts of the universe in good ways. And then I heard it was a Dark Souls game, and then I was like really excited for it. Um, and I'm still kind of digging those aspects although it is it is funny having played other games of of that type just how differently this game plays because the weapon that you have is the same length all the time (laughs) it's a small thing but it is a very noticeable thing in the way that i play certain dark souls-esque games in comparison to the the, the the version that is in Fallen Order, which I find really, really interesting. Um, I will say that, mm-hmm. not without spoiling anything, that might not always be true. Oh, okay. All right, good to I know. Mean, I, I understand what you're talking about without spoiling things, but also I think, to Clee's point, it it is true in the sense of the the range of difference typically in yeah in, the, compared from to like a Dark Souls right. where you can actually have a different class. I I understand what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm finding that to be a little bit uh, troublesome in some of the ways that I was not hoping, but it just shows how well the mashup is of those two things in a way that I didn't expect. And I'm I'm really digging it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, I for, I always forget the the, the main character is a Cal. Yeah, Cal Kestis. Cal Kestis. Yeah, I I like that character too. He is he is the redheaded stepchild of the universe in in more than one way. Yeah, I think uh, Star he, Wars first Ginger, maybe perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I, I I rock with him. No, I like him a lot. He seems like he has his stuff together. Um, and I love the fact that Deborah Wilson is in that game. Uh, who has continued to show up in many many games. If you're not familiar with her work, she's awesome. Her. She's been so fantastic in all the games that she's been in that and Wolfenstein and, and a whole bunch yeah. of other stuff. Oh, she's so um, good in Wolfenstein. She's like yeah. so badass in those games. So, so good. So it was like really dope to see her in there too. So I'm digging it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I'm playing small things here and there, but nothing that I can fully you know, share good, good, good thought, uh, good, well thought out thoughts about. Sure, sure. Yeah. And you traveled big for the game awards. So yeah, you've been, you've been busy, man. Yeah. Uh, Christian Spicer, Death Stranding has been, boy, it has been a marathon, not a sprint for for all of us on this on the show. Uh, we heard rumblings of this game, however many years ago. We made fun of it. We were in awe of it. We 
anticipated it. We questioned it. But I think what remained constant through that entire process in the run-up to Death Stranding was the fact that you were the Kojima fan, fan of his work, fan of his oeuvre, fan of Metal Gear Solid. And I think you maintained a level of confidence that you would at least appreciate the game much more than I, who, not as big a Kojima fan, have enjoyed some of his games for sure, uh, but never really understood the devotion to him that some people have and didn't even really understand your love for his work. Uh, So it surprises me that we may be in a situation where I'm the one who is defending Death Stranding. But what, what, where, where do we find ourselves at the end of this marathon process of the game having been out, Christian <laughs> trying to get himself to play it, and now finally yeah. doing a little bit? Yeah, so I, I think I have not, I'm not very far. I am not very far at all. I've been told the game gets better. Um, you know, you got to get to season two of Battlestar Galactica, or maybe it's season three, it's season two of Buffy. Like every, you know, you got, they all have these, there are things you got to get to. And Death Stranding has its chapters and its perks and changes and whatever that you got to see. Um, I still have a lot of respect for Kojima and I can see how much of his signature kind of style that he put into this game. I mean, I think it is a, quality game top to bottom from what i've seen like the love and the passion and trying to do something new and different and creating a world that is odd but inviting and and trying to tell this this story that is as out there as it seems from where i am as anything that he's done with metal gear and metal gear i think it's easy to go out there right it's espionage spies stolen nukes secret code names uh fortresses built during the cold war and like all of this stuff that for in in many forms of media we have very out there kind of stories and, and names and stuff like that surrounding them and for this it seems like it's it, it it does almost weirder things but in a more grounded way where like what's happened to earth and what are these things and if one person dies, the world ends. Like I'm changing some things and being vague uh, intentionally, but like, but all of that is kind of talked about in a very like, well, this is how life is. I'm, I'm just a delivery guy um, approach. And I think it maybe says something more about me that I need to reconcile. But while I can see all of the care and love put into this game, it is something that is not, clicking with me and i i think the reason why is that i as i can see how this kind of has evolved out of metal gear like it has a lot of those the tenets of metal gear games to it but i don't find the puzzle solving of traversing regular landscape exciting like it, it feels plotting to me. Like I, I'm not able to get into that Zen. I'm on a hike. Let it be what it's going to be. Take it. And it is, this game is gorgeous. Like the scenery at times looks photorealistic. Like yeah. it is mind blowingly gorgeous, but I'm not able to get into this kind of Zen state that I hear people talking about with it, where the, the journey is the experience and you just go and you kind of do all this stuff. And to me, it uh, I am 
looking for other things. So I think what I need to reconcile with me is that I, I enjoyed Kojima's combat puzzles. I liked that. I liked mm. that type of anxiety of sneaking through someone and killing, you know, a room full of people. I like that action version of it. And in this, from what I've played, which is maybe two hours, um, the anxiety of like being seen or, or just stealth walking in open environments, I it's not clicking with me. And and then to be honest with myself as well, I think knowing that this game is 40 to 60 hours is, is off-putting for me where I have games that I haven't finished yet that immediately clicked. So I, I won't say I'll never play Death Stranding again, but I've played enough to know that I won't be playing any more this year. And and I think it says as much about me as it does about the game. Like I'm not trying to take away anyone's love for the game, but I I I just need I need more or I need it to just be like threes, like a Zen puzzle game, you know, or like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm playing this to find my like or Tetris effect where I know what I'm playing that for. And Death Stranding to me is kind of walking this, no pun intended, this line of like, I, I'm putting my own, another one coming, here we go, my own baggage on it of what I want it to be. And then what the game is serving me, I don't find um, satisfying. Well, that's certainly valid and fair. Uh, Khalif, have you played Death Stranding? I have finished Death Stranding. And, yes. Yeah, and what did what was your takeaway from that game? <laughs> there was clapping for that. I, yeah, <laughs> As someone who talked about how hard it is to get into games and you get distracted. I think finishing Death Stranding deserved some applause, Khalif. <laughs> <laughs> I finished it. I finished it for review for the Hollywood Reporter, so nice. I, I had a, a I had a reason besides me wanting talk to talk about to, flexing, Mister. Hello. I mean, I mean, I didn't, I didn't pull an Xbox out. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I, I loved it. It was interesting because one of the things I shared in the review was that I think um, one of the things I find now with having less time to play and with having uh, to be more selective about the things that I do take on to my plate, um, games come to you when they come to you in some ways. And it feels like the vibe of, how you approach them and how you sometimes feel about them coincide with, you know, how you're feeling about your life, how you're feeling about your emotional state, how you're feeling about your mental state. Um, and I had just come off of Borderlands 3, which is a game that screams at you at level 20, both in sound and in gunshot and in, 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 uh, in, in dialogue uh, at the highest levels uh, uh, available. Um, and it was nice to be able to go to a space where it was calm and you didn't have to think about combat as much. You didn't have to think about, you know, where enemies going to be coming at you uh, all the time. And it felt as a person who is not a fan of the outdoors, uh, <laughs> uh, it, was nice, it was nice to be able to um, to reflect upon the kind of beauty and wonder that can be nature in those ways. Cause I feel like the game reflects that really well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it also really gave me some senses of like um, how it was to inhibit my own body, but in a virtual space. And, and I guess the way to kind of share that is I am not a hiker, but my wife is a hiker. She, she goes and hikes all the time. She has better control over her body than I do um, in terrain that is, you know, uneven and, and, and weird. So it's like, she's klutzy and clumsy on flatland and I am not on flatland. 
But if you need to go put her in a mountain somewhere and up and down a hill, she will navigate that thing like a mountain goat. <laughs> I can't do that because I don't feel comfortable enough in my own body to do that. And Death Stranding gave me that same feeling within the controls that I had and made me think about my own body in terms of how am I planting my feet? How am I walking up this terrain? How am I going to tackle this terrain when I go up and down these mountains? Which I thought was something that I didn't expect and it was, was really cool uh, to be able to do that. And then, you know, further down the line, you have story stuff that, that Christian you'll get to if you decide to kind of run through it. But um, I, I, I kind of dug what it was trying to do. I think it, it was nice to be able to inhabit a game that gave me mo- more want to understand what Kojima's thoughts were about the world, which was something I didn't expect. Um, and, it, and it made me in the same way that Metal Gear is very political. Um digs into some stuff that I feel is really interesting for the time period that we're in currently. So it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I I've, I've said before that, that I'm enamored with it as, as just a pure piece of design. It is such a, an interesting view of what video games can be. And I'm so in awe of that. And, and I, it's the first time, honestly, that I've not the first time. That's not true. I've been impressed by the metal gear games I certainly was impressed by Metal Gear Solid Five. I was just, I couldn't believe the level of improvisation that the game allowed. But it really drove home like, oh, Kojima is very special. He's doing something very special. And he's doing something very special that I can really appreciate. It's, it felt like the first window into his aesthetic for me that clicked. That is sort of the opposite for you, Christian, I guess, is that for once I was like, oh, my gosh. It's really cool that he's bending his particular sensibility to this idea of playing a game where I'm not shooting anybody. It's, 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 I don't know. I found it to be remarkable and so different from anything I'd ever done before that it felt special in that, just in that way alone. And then you you get the the layers of uh, production quality and all of the, the beauty of the game and the sound. I mean, the, the music is incredible and it does feel like being on a hike to me. It feels like being on a hike and I love hiking. Um, but I, I, I find myself wondering if we didn't know, I mean, part of, part of what the setup, I, I, I like I said, Christian, you, your feelings are absolutely valid. And I, I totally can understand somebody having that feeling you or anybody else. It is certainly not a game for everyone, but I also wonder, you know, there's part of it that I think is, tainted a little by your feeling like you have to play this or you should play this. And I, and I find myself wondering if, if we didn't know that this game was 40, 50, 60 hours long, do we approach it differently? Because, you know, not, I don't mean this as a humble brag or anything remotely like that at all, but I was able to play this game very early. Uh, and at that time, before it was released, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't any information out about it. Nobody even knew mm-hmm. what the game was. And I had no idea until there were subsequent emails from the, you know, from PR saying that, Hey, this is a long game. I, I <laughs> didn't really know how long the game really was. I, I wasn't rushing. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like, Oh, I got to play a lot of this because there's a whole bunch more. And I just sort of wandered through it. And, and, and that is how I fell in love with it. That's how I, felt so enamored by it is like the pace was slow and I was kind of okay with that in the same way. Like uh, this is maybe a stupid analogy, but if what remains of Edith Finch was a 60 hour game, 
I don't think I would have <laughs> had as you know had the same <laughs> feeling about it, right? It it was I was able to take my time and invest in the moments because I knew that it was short and sweet and I was in it. Again, bad example, but I think that there are these things that kind of can get in the way sometimes of taking a game on its own merits. Not, I'm not saying that that's what you're doing, Christian, at all. I'm not accusing you of that, but it's just interesting to me no. that sometimes these other factors can play, be at play too. A hundred percent. I agree with that. And I, I cannot answer specifically to Death Stranding because, you know, I can't change what I know or did, but like for a game like Control that I received early and played early for review, I didn't know how long that was. And I knew from Go that mm. I loved it. Right. Um, I, I, you know, and there are games that I play that I don't know how long they are uh, when I sit down to play them and they click and I'm like, like Last of Us, Uncharted 4, um, you know, uh, I can name several, Forza Horizon 4, which added a uh, a battle royale mode, <laughs> you know, like I'm not looking up how long is this game, how many races are there? It's like, this is the best racing game I've ever played. Yeah. I, I want to be in this world. I want to see all of the seasons. I'm so excited for it. So I don't think so that that impacted me. Um, but I do as someone who does have limited time when I do, when I am interested in a game, one of the things I do consider is how long it is because of just wanting to experience it. Like the, the, the vision I I'd like to finish games. Um, and so that does come into consideration where it's like, okay, I'm going to be on the road three weeks this month. Uh, you know, like when am I going to find the time to play this game? Um, I didn't know how long Star Wars was when I started playing it, I don't think. Um, and so for me, I, I didn't feel obligated to... My obligation didn't get in the way of Death Stranding. I would say that but for this show, after learning about it, what I learned about it, and after reading reviews and not having access to it early, I wouldn't have played it at all. Like, it didn't sound interesting to me. Um, it didn't sound compelling to me. And, and in starting it, um, I think another thing that... I like about the Metal Gear games is I find those stories interesting as they are kind of zany and, and off. But I think from Go, they're pretty compelling. I found the story of Death Stranding to be annoying um, in its outset in that first two hours. I, I wasn't interested in it. I didn't care about the characters. For some reason, the Kajam, K- Kajami, uh, Kojima character names. Was that Kojima and mis- Konami? more it, yes it was <laughs> yeah uh they, and now they're separated yeah, they're I, need not, to, I need to let them we'll never be one again and the, <laughs> you put them back together but i didn't the names didn't seem fun or interesting they didn't make sense they seemed there a lot of the stuff seemed to get in the way um the product placement front and center very early in the game felt off-putting the rules into which i stumbled and when i didn't didn't feel consistent to me and how I was playing. So I didn't feel like I was learning like, Oh, I can't walk over this rock because of this. Like there were a bunch of mechanical and narrative things that jumped out at me as just not fun. So I think I played more of it than I would have because of an air quote obligation than, than the other way around. It just didn't. And that's not to say that if you love the game to you, Jeff or Khalif or anyone listening that I'm not trying to take anything away right, from you, but those are like very specific concrete reasons for why i personally bounced off of it pretty hard and pretty fast yeah no i, I get it right. makes sense makes yeah. sense that was ancestors for me this year yeah but this game was like that for me yeah me too and, and i control it, it is really interesting because like some games will hit you and you know 
And then some, you're like, I hope that there is a light at the end of this tunnel. And I can see that for most people when they're getting into Death Stranding. They're like, yeah, I know this is something that should be really good. And I am hoping to get there. I feel the same way. That Ancestors game, I was like, 10 minutes in, I was like, I'm not going to like this. I am not Uh going to like this game. (laughs) And I want to like it because I love the idea around it. But the the execution on it just doesn't, it's not welcoming. And it's funny. I mean, I never even talked about that game on the show. I don't think too much. Um, But that was one of the big complaints that the, the developer had. I, I heard that, you know, they, he thought that the, you know, people who reviewed it didn't really play very much of it and I didn't review it. So, uh, you know, but I also didn't play very much of it because I felt like I, I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to be doing this. I'm following the fun and I'm just following it right out the door. And, and I totally, you know, mea culpa on not giving it a, a better chance, but, also, I mean, I think there's a bit of a responsibility to create something that, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like my instincts on that weren't going to change. We're pretty Yeah. Down. Yeah. I, I shouldn't have to DM other people who are reviewing it to be like, how the heck do I do yeah. this thing? Yeah. It's broken. How do I do it? <laughs> Regardless, interesting discussion. And I think, you know, whatever the case about Death Stranding, I think we can all agree that as a piece of art it's fascinating and that it kind of forces you to have an opinion about it right it's not it's not just another game it really is doing something that you're either gonna i think really like or really dislike it's not there's it seems like a game that doesn't have any kind of like yeah it was fine you know it's not a very it's not a yeah it was fine game it's it's either you're digging it or you're not uh, and i and i think that's a sign of a good piece of art honestly all right uh, that was fun. That was a fun discussion. Um, we are going to wrap the show up. Now, we do have um, parting gifts coming up. And we also have a spoiler discussion for Star Wars at the end of the show after everything. So stick around for both of those. But Khalif Adams, as always, it is an absolute pleasure having you on the show, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. I have to say I have to relay a message from my wife because we all get the chance to hang out at the Game Awards. She said one of the best parts about the whole time that she was down in LA in LA during all of this was hearing your laugh. Aww. She said you had an amazing laugh uh, that made her day. Oh, wow. Uh, what a great compliment. That is lovely. It was to, such a pleasure to finally meet that. her. I, I, you've spoken of her so often and I never met her in person until that, uh, this weekend. And I appreciate that very much. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, again, thank you so much for having me. It's always a blast to get a chance to to hear you uh, talk about and 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 get a chance to chop it up about games and and all that stuff here at DLC. And and again, I love you both. Uh, right you back at you, buddy. It was so funny, by the way, meeting your wife because we we were hanging out afterwards at the sort of after party, whatever you want to call it, the hanging out in the bar and and um and you know I we finally met and I said oh hi I'm Jeff and she introduced herself and we you know we're talking for a while and joking around and then uh I think you had you stepped away or something happened and then she she turned to me and she tapped me on the shoulder and she goes are you Jeff Kanata and I was like yeah she's like oh I didn't realize that when you said Jeff she's like I Khalif talks about you I didn't she's like I just thought you were some guy and I was like I well I I still am just some guy but uh it was, she's like, I know you. I know, I know. Uh, we've I've heard about you, so it was cute. Uh, she's she's adorable, and uh, and and it was such a pleasure meeting you. Um, tell the folks where they can keep up with you and and the goings on of the of the empire, the spawn on me empire. First oh, order, the first order. One podcast at a time, one episode at a time. You can find us uh, on all podcast platforms uh, at. 
Spawn on Me is the name of the show. We are the premier podcast spotlighting people of color in the gaming industry. Uh, we record our shows live here on Twitch, uh, usually on Thursdays around 7.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Uh, you can also listen to our second show, an addendum show that goes along uh, with our, our main uh, podcast called Some More Thoughts, S-O-M More Thoughts. Uh, where I get to dig into either stuff that we missed during the week or uh, other things that are kind of going on in the world, current events, uh, politics, a whole bunch of other cool stuff. You can check that out at patreon.com slash spawn on me early. Uh, and then it goes out to the world a couple of days later. Um, and yeah, you can check us out at spawn on me on Twitter at Kajakins is my personal account. Uh, and we're hitting up all the spots you can go to. And we have a really cool thing coming again uh, in January. We're going to be doing our spawn for good event. Our, our fifth event, our fifth charity event, uh, and we're going to be doing it again for the folks over at Vote Riders, especially because 2020 is a very important election year. Uh, so we're hoping to gather folks uh, to, to stream with us, uh, folks to watch and to donate to that wonderful organization as well. So more and more things to come uh, early, early in January for that kind of stuff, 2020. Awesome, man. I, I'm so uh, impressed by all the things you do and all the the great uh, the great impact you have on the world. So kudos to you. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? <sighs> Just realizing that the holidays are here and uh, you can find me at the UPS store, at the FedEx <laughs> shop, um, yeah. standing in line at the USPS. Just hoping somebody sends um, you something, right? Y- yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, you find me at, you can find me at that late night target trip yeah. uh <laughs> i mean honestly that's what the week's gonna be more or less uh if i end up i'm not I'm, I'm in town so if you're in la and i land any shows twitter's the best way at spicer s-p-i-c-e-r they typically stream this show on twitch twitch.tv slash christian spicer jeff we have a couple of big shows coming up uh here in a little bit oh, as we goodness. wind things down wrap things I'm up not ready. Stuff. i'm not ready are you ready i'm not ready the- I mean, I just finished Death Stranding during this episode, <laughs> so I think I'm ready. Uh- <laughs> yeah, we got the big, uh, our big end of the year top fives, uh, which is uh, always difficult. I feel like this year even more so. And yeah. then after that, the episode after that is The Reckoning. The Reckoning happens every yeah. year. Yeah. Christian and I, no guests, <laughs> just the two of us, and we face the music <laughs> on our predictions from the previous year. And then we make bold and cool ranch predictions for 2020. So uh, that's good. It's always a, a favorite. Uh, it's one of the best. Uh, we got, we got one of the best bumpers coming up. So if you're, if you like those once a year bumpers, <laughs> my favorites next week. Uh, so uh, lots of fun, lots of fun. Also, Hey, oh, go then, ahead. Sorry. I didn't. I'll, I'll say the only other thing I'm doing this week is, is I'm, rising like a skywalker like that's this week how did, i know how did that happen it's, like there's so much star wars that we kind of forgot but i'm so very excited uh so that i'm doing that this week not i mean come hang out with me as i watch it <laughs> i don't know but i'm very crazy. excited that's this that's week crazy. that's this week i'm seeing it on tuesday so yeah uh <laughs> I'm flexing um, Flex. all right you can follow me on twitter at jeff canada which is with two n's and one t if you want to see those uh hot take Skywalker tweets. <laughs> Get up on my Twitter. Uh, also, if you want to email this show, it's uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting your emails about any old topic. If you want to suggest stuff to us or uh, give us feedback about what you saw or, or saw. 
heard us talk about. Um, also, I do the Slash Filmcast where you'll hear my in-depth review of Rise of the Skywalker as well as uh, all lots of other movies. Uh, and you can find that at SlashFilmcast.com. I also do the Dungeon Run. We have uh, I, what has been described to me as one of the best episodes we have ever done last week. Uh, an amazing knockdown drag out fight with some of the most dramatic moments in show history. If you want characters in peril, uh, I mean, we had, it was, people didn't breathe. The, the thing, the quote I read, everybody was saying is, uh, you know, we had the whole seat, but we only needed the edge. Check it out. The episode's called the crimson coil. You can find it on YouTube by searching for the dungeon run. You can find it as an audio show by searching for the dungeon run, wherever you get audio podcasts, or you can watch us live as we record Wednesday nights at 6 PM Pacific time on caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Khalif, do you have something to help people get through their week? I do. I do. Uh, if you are on Netflix and have the Netflix service, the show that I would tell you to watch, the movie I'll tell you to watch is My Name is Dolomite. It is a telling of the story and origins of one of my favorite comedians, Rudy Ray Moore, uh, who was definitely not family friendly and <laughs> absolutely one of the coolest cats on the planet. So it talks about his story of rising through the ranks and becoming one of the biggest black exploitation film stars and is played by Eddie Murphy, which is super fantastic, who I think is nominated either for a Glo- Golden Globe uh, for his performance. Uh, I believe he yeah, be. uh, So Check out that movie. It's fantastic. It is a wonderful time and definitely gives you a little bit of uh, insight into some of the origins of some of the black uh, comedians that you see today. Awesome. That is My Name is Dolomite, and it is on Netflix. Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? Surprise, it's music. Oh, did I get you? Spoiler alert. Is that how you <laughs> use it, Jeff? Did I get yeah, it right this okay. time? <laughs> this album, it's by Georgia Mack. It's called Pleaser. Georgia is the lead singer, hopefully still. Uh, who knows what they're going to do, take a break, but of Camp Cope. So perhaps you've heard of Camp Cope. They're more of a classic punk uh, band out of Australia. Really incredible. Um, if you haven't listened to How to Socialize, uh, that is a fantastic album as well. But she released a solo album. It's called Pleaser. It kind of just dropped last week, I think. And it is like 80s synth to it versus the Camp Cope's kind of crunchy punk or rock. Um, it's about love and set to some incredible... 80s music and i think george's voice is is absolutely phenomenal on it if you're going to try one song if you want to try out one song to see like oh is this for me uh, i'd recommend the second song on the album driving blind it's my current favorite but the entire album is absolutely incredible sorry i was muted uh awesome that is pleaser by georgia mac oh we got in oh yeah maq i should say that sorry maq mac mac uh, we have a listener suggested parting gift. This comes to us from Jonathan Ashley, who writes, Hey guys, I have a parting gift related to a comment by last week's guest, Stella Chung. She mentioned how it feels uh, we're not that far off the Fallout universe with the way things are lately, a sobering thought. It reminded me of a book I've been reading lately called Atlas Babylon. It was written in 1959 
by Pat Frank in the midst of the Cold War. He wanted people to better understand the realities of nuclear war and how drastically it could change our lives. The book starts off real slow, but once the bombs hit, it becomes much more interesting. It was one of the novels that kicked off the fascination with post-apocalyptic fiction and is well worth a read for all of us who love Fallout, Wasteland, and the like. Awesome. So that is called Atlas Babylon by Pat Frank. Thanks, Jonathan. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on the show, send it to us to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We appreciate getting those. Uh, my parting gift is a, a YouTube video that I enjoyed. It's about 20 minutes long or so. Uh, this was uh, recommended to me by a friend of the show and friend of mine and somebody who recommends some of the coolest stuff I, I absorb. Uh, Danish Syed, he said uh, to check out a video called A Mile an Hour Running a Different Kind of Marathon. Uh, I'm a former marathon runner. And uh, this is very much a different kind of marathon. It's a fella who decided to run uh, one mile every hour uh, for 24 hours. And in between running that mile, it's, it's evidently an, uh, a mile around his property, his the sort of uh, little farm he lives on. And each time he runs a mile afterwards, he then tries to do as many things as he can do stuff. Do stuff, run a mile, do stuff. So that's like making stuff, fixing things, odd jobs around the house. It's just an exercise in going 24 hours and being as productive as possible while also getting exercise and running a marathon. Crazy idea, fascinating, really interesting to watch. I highly recommend it. It's on YouTube. So just search for a mile an hour running a different kind of marathon. It's kind of inspiring stuff. So check that out. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Khalif Adams and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks again to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with all of us in real time, making the show better. We appreciate you. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L. Sean Madigan and Zero Star for those cool bumpers. We do have spoiler talk for Star Wars coming up right after the, not the movie. <laughs> I should be more specific for Star Wars Jedi, the Fallen Order uh, coming up now. So don't, touch that dial if you have played that or want to hear spoilers but uh thank you for listening to the show we appreciate you and we'll be back next week with our big end of the year spectacular where we try to pick our top five of the year all right until then think about what you put out into the world make it a better place all right, welcome to some bonus content, DLC. This is our spoiler discussion for Star Wars Jedi The Fallen Order. So take this as your warning. If you do not want to be spoiled on that game and the story therein, now is your time to reach for your podcasting player of choice and push stop. All right, everything from now on is to be considered potentially a spoiler. Christian Spicer... Uh, this is a it's a pretty great story as far as uh, video games go, and I think even as far as Star Wars goes, I I had a pretty good time just from a story perspective in Star Wars Jedi: The Fallen Order. Did, how about you? I am of two minds. I think the beginning third is an incredible Star Wars story. I think the last third and Darth Vader's moment is incredibly powerful. I, I know they did it in Rogue One. 
but I like seeing Darth Vader show up at the end of things in Wreck Shop. It's yeah. cool, and it's, I like how it, it plays like a uh, it plays like a horror movie. Like when yes. he shows up, it's all of a sudden it's Jason, you know, chasing you through the high school. It's it's yes. he is a horror character through and through in that moment. Yeah, I mean, when he shows up, and I'm sorry, I finished it not to flex, but a while ago, and character names I'm never great with. I forget uh, the main bad guy, what her name is. Um, oh, yeah. The last the boss sister. fight. Actually, the the, the yeah, second I, sister. Yeah, the Padawan turned, um, you know, assassin or whatever. Or, you know, uh, not a Knight of Ren, but the Knight of Vader that didn't exist in movies, but now exists in whatever. Um, I forget her name. But, I mean, when Vader showed up, she too treated it like Jason showed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah. she was maybe going to turn. Like, there was still good in her. Which, again... It's Star Wars story we've seen before, but I think done in this instance in the game, the way it handled it was very compelling. I loved the end where Siri showed up and she's like running along other parts of the corridor and, you know, taking down stormtroopers as you're fighting your own way through things. I thought that was super cool and, and interesting. But the middle part uh, of the story where I feel like everyone has force somehow, but it manifests as magic for like... I, as someone who reads a lot of the Star Wars comics, I read all of the th- new Thrawn books. Um, uh, um, what's the one I'm going through right now? I forget. All, I consume a lot of what I think you and I joked about, Jeff, is like it's canon till it's not. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Star Wars Same with content. this game. Yeah. Same with this game. And I feel like that whole stuff in zombies and the buff Luke Skywalker on an island guy – like, yeah, shirtless Luke. Yeah, shirtless Buff Luke, and like he's evil and te- like that for me is where the, the micro story kind of fell apart, and I thought was weaker. And then the bigger macro issues, my problems with it. Again, love the game, found the story compelling in in the moments, but like that Siri, Seer, Seer turned herself off from the Force because of this stuff. But then like when she yeah. turns it back on, it's like I'm back versus Cal, who never turned himself off from it but apparently had amnesia for half of his powers. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So I I mean, some of that is like video game being, being video game, you know? Right. Right. But, but I, I also, I share that. I, I think you make very valid points and yeah, the middle section certainly not as strong. And there's, there's a lot of video gamey stuff that they're trying to retrofit into the star Wars universe and make sense. You know, it's like, well, we need to give you a bunch of, uh, enemies that you don't just slice right through all the time you know like Even that's my have... favorite part is just mowing through regular stuff oh, the best thing in that game is is slicing through an r2 unit yeah you're like the evil <laughs> dark you know dark side r2 unit and you yeah. just walk up to him and cut him in half i'm like that's there's nothing more satisfying than that in this game it's is the best thing um yeah it's uh i agree and then there's like sections that worked i mean the, all the backtracking is really problematic in my opinion as far as just pacing the feeling of backtracking is not great in this game and you do it a lot i well, mean because you're not getting anything meaningful right like right. i got a poncho okay oh doesn't- don't get me started on ponchos ponchos could have been <laughs> rad they could have been rad no i want to get you started on ponchos Go never ahead. do not never get me started i mean if there's one thing people know about me it's you don't start to get me started on ponchos but no there's Literally never been a poncho that I looted in that game that I was like, oh, look how cool that looks, which is a problem. That's a problem. And lightsaber hilts, you can't see. 
you can't see in the course of the game. You can see every time they go close up on you. I, and I, I filled my fair share of building a lightsaber and that was kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, that stuff and, and the color of my hilt, you know, I always, and my color of my saber itself was fun, but yeah, ponchos, I'm staring at the whole game. They could have been rad. They could have gone crazy with them. And it's like, Oh, this one's a different beige. Okay. <laughs> different beige. Um, so yeah, that was a bummer. So I think that, but, that to me impacted backtracking where it's like, yeah, all I was doing was trying to get back, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I, I think about those new rebooted, um, Lara Croft games. And one of the things I remember them doing so smartly and so well, and so consistently in those games was, uh, when you go through a thing, when you get to the end of the thing and you've struggled and you've unlocked and you've figured out and you've climbed and you've done a thing, you get to the end of the thing. And it's like, Oh, there's a ripcord that pulls me right back to the beginning of it. <laughs> How fun is that? And you like ride this sweet ripcord for like, you know, two full minutes and you're back to the beginning. It, it always had a, a fun ejector seat uh, at the end of a level so that you didn't ever have to backtrack out of it. And this game does not do that ever. Not once. Right. Every single time is you got to get crawl your way back out and you unlock shortcuts. So there are, yes, there, but it's not the exact yeah. same route, but it is, I, I still found myself just running away from Rams running away from zombies because yeah. combat wouldn't level me up in a meaningful way. It, yeah. And to, to your point about uh, tomb Raider, a game I'm talking a lot about recently, um, but dark siders Genesis. And there are some levels where it does the opposite of that. <laughs> Excuse me, where you fight through and you, <coughs> man, mm, and you do the thing and then like you pick up the amulet or whatever you need. And then like the level changes and they're like, oh crap, now we got to go the long way back. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It, it like plays on it, but it's interesting because it's not the same way. So there are right. new puzzles and new combat experiences. So I think that's another example of the opposite of what Tomb Raider does, but they're both justified. And, and right. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Orders, they don't feel justified. It just feels like, we took a little bit of Metroidvania. <laughs> yeah. You need to walk back through the whole thing and the map isn't great. And are you going the right way? You don't know. Cause the enemies respond anyway. Cause you sat on a thing for a second. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. All of that was problematic. Story-wise. Uh, I agree with you as well that the middle section, I mean, I do not need space zombies. We didn't need space zombies in the star Wars universe. Uh, I don't even understand why we went there. It feels like such a video game thing to add in, but fine. And yeah, that, that middle section is not great, but there are plenty of cool things. You know, the first time that swamp ad at sequence is so rad. And the fact so that they rad. let you get into an ad at and, and shoot and feel super OP and destroy everything in an ad at. And the first time, and, and as you break into that ad at the first time you like climb up and around it, it's like, Oh, that's a speeder bike inside an ad at just yeah. so rad. Um, and, but, and I, th- Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just to say, like, to me, though, it's tough because I, I really did like this game. And I think I talked about it on the show. So now as we're spoiling and it's been a while since I completed it, I'm able to kind of knit it a little bit more. But that moment and moments like it, and I think the first third and last third felt so strong to me that I, yeah. I wish they would have just made the Uncharted game. Like the narrative. shorter give me, game. Give yeah. me more of those. Don't send me through space zombies or Jedi zombies, you know, yeah. force zombies. Like I want, I want to hijack an X-Wing. I want to hijack a TIE fighter. I want to, you don't put me in the Millennium Falcon. Cause that's like a little too much winky wink, but like that ad at moment was so cool. And the first time, I think you mentioned this on the show when we were talking about it, the first time you take down an ATST and the pilot pops out and you're yeah. like, Oh cool. Like there, yeah, there's someone in there. 
um, the snow level where you, you rebuild your lightsaber and there's like, it feels very focused. Yeah. Like those moments to me were the, and the last level where the, the, the underwater fortress is kind of crumbling around you and you're, you're fighting your way through it to get to this ultimate last battle. Those things felt so satisfying that I feel like it's the opposite for me than other games. Like uh, typically I love when a game opens up and then start in Jedi fallen order. I felt like when the game opened up, it lost its focus and, and it meandered. Yeah, I agree with that. And there are, you know, there are cool things. Like you said, the the underwater sequence is really, I think, neat. Just in a like, oh, I'm underwater. And the way the game gives you the ability to go underwater at a certain point, and it's a throwback to, you know, episode one and, and Qui-Gon and, and Obi-Wan. But the, it, I don't remember a game giving me the ability to swim so late in the process. And I was like, oh, that's kind of rad game. Now I can swim underneath water. I think that's kind of cool. Um, it does a lot of things really smartly. I love as the, all the platforming that you have to do, all of the sort of Prince of Persia style. Feels great. I, yeah, it does. It's, it's very satisfying. It's very fun. Um, the, the character development, I really loved the central characters. I can't remember the name of the dude who flies the ship, but he is the voice. The vocal performance is incredible. And the that character is really instantly fun to be around and mm-hmm. you know, gruff and cool and all the all the best Star Warsy ways and um you know you the the woman whose name I also don't remember uh, that yeah yeah she is great uh all the central characters in the game are great the game gives you what feels like a companion really late in the game and it's like oh oh yeah I she's awesome. Said, She's awesome. I, and I guess her. you're you're setting up for a sequel where you probably get to play as her or whatever. But I, I felt like a little late in the game to be giving you a you know yeah. a a side not sidekick but a companion. Um, and and the, the aim, game ends really strong. Uh, the fight, the final fight is cool. Uh, you know, I think I think it's a pretty satisfying Star Wars game. But like you said, it's sort of artificially elongated with some what feels like filler in the middle and filler on the in and out of every level. And that just feels like, just, just let me leave, man. I just want to leave. Don't, don't, this is tedious. Yeah. Page my ship. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. And there's cool stuff. You know, the, the, um, one of my favorite sequences in the whole game is climbing to the top of that tree on Kashyyyk and then, uh, surfing down it. And it, it feels like the game really wants that moment to be this exciting action sequence a la something in uncharted where you're controlling it but also it feels super cinematic and all this stuff's happening around you and there's this giant bird creature and all things exploding and you're just surfing and trying to but the execution of it didn't quite live up to its promise i think it didn't quite live up to its um you know what it was trying to achieve because i never felt like i was in control and every time i bumped into a wall or something the game would come to a screeching halt and it felt like this is clunky and and where it should feel smooth and awesome and i should feel in complete control i really liked that sequence i just felt like i could have been just a little bit more polished a little bit stronger yeah uh and now we're talking spoilers i could mention what happened to me that maybe this didn't happen to you and i apologize listeners that names of levels and there are people who are better at this than i am i am not good at remembering all of that stuff um but i was in a level backtracking getting trying to get back to my ship 
And uh, I thought I was going the right way. Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. And in the middle of this area, uh, there was like a human in like a droid, like in a mech suit, I'm guessing is what it kind of looked like this type of thing. And I went to fight it because I was, I was cocky Cal and I went to fight it and it defeated me and the game faded to black. And instead of like the standard, you know, respawn screen, it gave me something else. And I woke up in a Thor Ragnarok gladiator arena. Yeah. Yeah. That's supposed to happen. I think. Okay, so I do that, and I fight all those people, and I escape. And then uh, I get back to my ship, and the, the, the gruff alien captain or whatever, like, I'm very angry with him. And it's like, this is your fault. And he's like, I didn't know this would happen. I have no clue what that's about. Like, none. Hmm. I don't know that all. specifically, that character beat. But I do feel like the first time you see that bounty hunter, there's like that a whole layer – yeah, there's a whole layer of bounty hunters that you come across that you beat them and then it's an achievement for beating them. Oh, that's um, the only one I saw. <laughs> oh, I had several. I don't know what triggers them or what happens. Or Interesting. I, I also don't know what would have happened because you could probably easily find this information on the internet. But I don't know what happens if you were able to defeat that bounty hunter in the fight. But I don't know if you can because what happened to me was he threw something on the ground that electrocuted me, right? That's what happened to you? Yeah. Yeah, just immediately died. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that just happens, and then that's the next story beat. And I thought it was actually kind of neat. Like, that's – it feels like this thing that wasn't supposed to happen and then does, and then it spins you off on the next section of the game, um, and you're breaking out from the cell and all that stuff. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I liked the moment. I didn't understand, like, how – and maybe I did just zone out for one second while I was playing, and, like, it was explained. But I don't understand, like – why I was being hunted or it felt weird for me from a story standpoint, but the the moment of like being in that world, it felt like a nice mix of Ragnarok and Jedi, right? Yeah. Where you're yeah. trying to escape this, this combat area is really cool. Yeah. So overall, I think um, we both agree that it was pretty great. I don't know if it's, well, we'll find out next week if it's on my top five list, but it is uh, solid. I think it's an easy game to recommend to people and, I think it delivers on that Star Wars-ness. I, I, I felt very Star Wars all the time I was playing it. I really enjoyed, you know, getting the the two-headed lightsaber and then the double-handed lightsaber, you know, the two lightsabers and being able to trigger that stuff was fun. I One of the problems I have with these type of games often is that the stuff I'm leveling up, the the cool perks that I get to put points into aren't exciting enough. And I think this game really has that where... There was I I would hold on to points for a long time because there was just nothing that sounded awesome and I was like well maybe a new layer of points will open up and I'll see something awesome I want to buy but so long of in it I was just like hey, yeah I guess I guess I can get some more force power or I don't know it just there's nothing I was like oh I can't wait until I get to the end of this tree because I can get that cool thing there's yeah nothing like that. When a lot of the force powers you got via flashbacks also, where it wasn't as if you leveled up and like once I got pull and push, I was like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and I liked, I liked the saber throw. Eventually I used that frequently in fights, but that was basically the only one of those that really was cool. I, I, I didn't love like, Oh, you can push a whole bunch of enemies or, <laughs> Oh, you can slow time so much, you know, it's like, ah, okay. Except really not care. when you want to, because not on the boss. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like I upgraded that all the way, and then it never helped when I needed it the most. Right. Yeah. I think for me, it's because I liked it so much, and it did a lot of stuff really right. 
that it's it's frustrating or it's easier for me to nitpick the other things because I it it, it 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 I'll spoil it. It's not going to be on my top five. But I think had they addressed the little things we talk about, it would probably be number one or number two. Like it's it, that yeah. it's that line that it's kind of straddling of like the combat and the parry doesn't quite feel tight enough. The story meanders a bit. The map, the leveling, all of those things, but. That being said, it is an accomplishment that yeah. with more time to polish or whatever, or a few more kyber crystals thrown in, <laughs> you know, it could have been something special. As is, it's the game that is another finally a good Star Wars game. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I know I keep comparing it to God of War, the the recent yes. God of War. But I feel like that game it, even this game actually makes me think even higher of God of War, because you just <laughs> go yeah, it, God of War has every single bit of that. It's still this very long, lengthy experience that never feels padded, that always feels fresh and interesting, that I'm constantly having interesting interactions with NPCs and new sights to see. And the combat is, comp- is so perfectly tight. And I never, yeah. and uh, there's awesome upgrades. And I'm constantly feeling like, oh my gosh, I want this, but I also want that. And which one am I going to put on my acts to make sure you know which loadout am i going to go with because there's so much cool stuff that and all that is very difficult it is a difficult thing and and um you know if star wars i feel like was 80 percent there you know it's that last 20 yes. percent it just didn't quite get to that god of war does but yes. that's what makes the great games truly great so. right all right. Well, that's our discussion on Star Wars Jedi The Fallen Order, a, a game that has, uh, let's just say, too many colons in its title. Um, <laughs> and I uh, hope you have enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next week. See you then.